Good morning, Good campers. Good morning, campers. <laughs> Today's activities will include totally unrehearsed musical numbers. Lunch today will be Mead Lights. And to end the night, we will be storming the castle to get back the loves of our lives who have been kidnapped and held. Uh, oh, wait, no, hold on a second. She seems fine. Have fun storming the castle. Do you uh, think so it'll work? <laughs> it'd take a miracle. Bye-bye now. I'm not a witch in your way. So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into Gallivant. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Mariska Hargate, Sarah. <laughs> Mariska Hargate, Sam. Uh, I'm your camp counselor, Sam, an ex-pro wrestler in training and current drag wrestling manager in training. And I'm camp counselor, Sarah, currently recovering from her vaccine, Get Vaccinated Kids. And we are here to ask, is it camp? We are diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly, queer subgenre. <laughs> now, we were originally just going to talk about one episode of Gallivant today, but I think um, our conversation is going to be more about the show as a whole, since you watched a lot of it. Yeah, it, it was um, it was a weird thing that happened where I looked at the total amount of episodes. I think it was only like 16, 18, 18 episodes then. I was like, yeah, I can power through this, no problem. And in that first day, I sat down and I watched the entire first season and then the one episode we were meant to watch as well, which is yes. the first episode of the second season. And then I think Disney Plus caught on to me and was <laughs> like, uh-uh-uh, no, 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 no. I see what you're doing up there, you homosexual. <laughs> This is too much for one man to take at once. So I'm rescuing you, and I'm assuming it's a rescue. And they, I, I don't know, like took it off or something. Something happened with my stream, and I've just been bouncing around trying to find the rest of season two, which I guess will just have to remain a mystery until it shows back up somewhere. Uh, but I definitely did get to the end of the first episode of season two, and boy, oh boy, was this a ride I was unprepared for. The only gay in the forest. The only... Well, this forest is full of gays. I, uh, I wish, dear listeners, that I could share the texts that Sam sent me as he was going through the first season and discovering treasure upon treasure of what exactly this show was. It's, it's wild. And, but again... As we discussed, I believe, in Rhinestone, hey, this is a, it, it's a musical television show, and the chance of this surviving beyond one season, let alone getting two, are slim to none. That's the thing. I think I said in Gallivant that I hate the idea of uh, musical DP shows and that they've never worked. Um, I would like to retract that. I do like this show. <laughs> 
and that's that's totally fine. Everybody's got a, a, a thing outside of like, boo, I don't like X, but I sure do like this one X, like war movies. My favorite war movie is Pan's Labyrinth. Right? But that's because Guillermo del Toro is a genius. Yes. And I just I don't like war movies. Oh, we should discuss Crimson Peak at some point. Oh, Crimson Peak. Oh, all the melodrama. Yes. All the yeah. Tom Hiddleston. Oh, I should send you the pictures of my mom with Tom Hiddleston then. <laughs> okay, so tell me about your mom meeting Tom Hiddleston. Oh, you know, it was at a party. <laughs> my mom seems to. All right, my my mom seems to run into people at parties, but this one was more organic than her meeting um, Gerard Butler and her having no idea it was Gerard Gerard Butler. Um, my mom worked on Crimson Peak. Oh, because I didn't know it was, it was a filmed, Toronto. Yeah, it's a Toronto uh, production, and you know, Guillermo del Toro loves filming in Toronto now. Everything oh. he does, because he has a house here. Right? Oh, nice. When did he move here? What movie did he... Did you see his... Um, his He did, like, a show at the AGO or something like that that was basically like, here's all the cool shit Guillermo del Toro owns. Oh, no, I didn't get a chance to. I really wanted to, but mm-hmm. yeah, it never came up. Anyway, he loves making uh, movies here in Toronto. And uh, she had worked on Crimson Peak as part of the paint department. Uh-huh. So naturally... Uh, so I'm just picturing, like, Towers of Black, Towers of Red, nothing else. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what happens. If you want a good idea as to how to get a really good, like, gross, rusty color, like mm-hmm. like dirty, rusty colors as well. You always want to pick up burnt umber, raw umber, burnt sienna, and raw sienna. And then you just need a lot of whites, blacks, and and browns to mix into them to just get different shades of it, right? Ooh. Secrets of the film industry. <laughs> uh, so anyway, she worked on, the, on it, and at the end of most shows... You generally get like an invitation to the um, the rap party, right? Mm-hmm. And my mom got one of those. And so at Crimson Peak uh, with the rap party, they had one of those little photo booth things. Uh huh. You know where you sit in it, and it takes a bunch of pictures, and then it prints out like the little strip, and it's got your pictures on it. Well, and you somehow, all like hold up a little crown on a stick or a mustache on a stick. Uh, I mean, you're you're describing the experience and silly hats, right? There we go. Silly hats. Um, let me. I'm gonna Jackie and Lori this over to you once <laughs> I find it. Uh, but somehow, I I don't know how. My mom managed to wrangle Tom Hiddleston into this photo booth and took a bunch of pictures with him, all with silly hats on and various accessories. Now, Tom Hiddleston, um, I say this with love. I don't get it. I know, it's weird. He's like a pale, weedy Englishman. He should be working for me, but it doesn't. I don't know him. Anyway. He's the exact opposite of what I like, because I like him thick. I like thick boys. But um, for some reason, I look at him and I'm like, hmm, yes, excellent. But he has, like, big, 
theater kid energy. He has never been shy about anything. Like, if there is a chance to grab the spotlight, Tom Hiddleston will be there, and he will do his funny voice, or he will do his dance for you. Yeah. Oh, here, here. I've got them. Um, I'm going to... Oh, sugar. I'm going to copy this link, and I'm Jackie and Lorying it to your phone. Okay. He's got such angular cheekbones. Oh my god. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And here's the second one. I'm sure we'll have an Instagram account and we will post this to our Instagram so you guys can see my darling mother, who I call the Queen Mum, because I am a I am a queen and she is my mum. Oh my god. But, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. would you would think they had been like longtime friends for from these pictures. I I don't know how it happens. I like my mum. Uh, like there's there's this weird magic that my mom and my granddad have where they they seem to know people uh-huh. or just run into them sporadically, but it, it it'll be like just out of the blue. Like the one time my granddad sat down with Patrick Stewart for like an hour and talked about where they grew up because it was the same area, Yorkshire to North. Oh no! Hold on, was it? I thought Patrick Stewart was northern. I know. Well, I'm hearing it through a third person, right? So, whatever. Anyway, where were we? Oh, we're on Gallivant. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We've we've been we've been drastically waylaid by Tom Hiddleston and his cheekbones. You wish you'd been drastically waylaid by Tom Hiddleston. Oh Um, God. <laughs> so, Galilee ran for uh, for two seasons. Just as a little background, it is strangely weird to find anything about this show. Like, if you search it up, like you can find promotional clips from the actors or like sing-alongs that they did afterwards. Um, but there's like there's no making of. There's no blurby article about like the the channel wanted this kind of show so we made it or i've always wanted to make this show since i was born that sort of thing it's or it's even like strange. the or even the um oh gallivant was filmed in this castle in romania and <laughs> here we talked to the locals for a bit what do you think about this show being filmed in your castle uh i i don't know gallivant he's a joke is capitalist americans <laughs> Molson Squirrel. We apologize to any Eastern European listeners. Oh gosh, when Ukraine played England, I was wearing my knockoff England Team England shorts, and my Ukrainian uncle got so mad at me. Oh, well, you know. I think he it, had it the last end, laugh. It didn't end well for England anyway, so. Yeah. Not that I'm a sports person. No, I mean, I'm I am a, a sports person, but in different sports. I'm a soccer player size kind of person. Because <laughs> you got soccer player thighs. Boots with the fur. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I swear, we started. We we were we were two episodes into this podcast <laughs> of being like, oh, look at us. We're so we're so academic. We're so educational. Let's talk about then queer get, theories, guys. <laughs> yeah, and now we get to Gallivant, and we're like, out of the window. Get out of here, academia. We're gonna be goofy goobers. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you couldn't find anything. Here's what I could piece together. So, All right. uh, Dan Fogelman, who's not Dan Fogelberg, who I always confuse him with, is like a TV and a writer guy. He wrote Crazy Stupid Love. He wrote Tangled, which is a really, really good movie if you haven't given it a chance. I, I think it's, it's... It's so much better than its trailer. And it's technically... I think it's better than Frozen for what it's trying to do. Um, Frozen is like, Frozen has momentum. Frozen is an event. Um, Tangled just happens to be a good movie. Yeah, although, let me ask you this, because this is a a debate that I have with my friends. Is this about Eugene? About Eugene? No, 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 no. This is about um, the the mother. Mm, Mother Mother Gossel. Mother Gothel, thank you. Okay. It's a fantasy world, fantasy land. Of course, there's fantasy rules and thus fantasy character classes. Uh Is Mother Gothel a thief or a witch? I think she is a witch because she thieves for witchy reasons. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> she is she is a witch because she knows the spell to use the flower, right? She yes. she steals babies, which is a very witchy thing. It just so happens that stealing is also a thiefy thing. Yes. No, if okay. you want to go thief, then Eugene's right there. She's not yeah, a thief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, he, he's he's a rogue, right? Yes. But she she's definitely cross-classed over into thievery. Yes. Absolutely. She also does that that spooky part where ooh, all the fogs rolling in. Thieves don't do foggy stuff. She she's all atmosphere first. Well, yeah, she's voiced by Grand Dame of Theater Donna Murphy. Like, of Ugh. course, she's going to have majesty. She's going to have presence. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. All right. So. Again, so we're one sentence into the creation of this show. (laughs) (laughs) Dan Fogelman. So Dan Fogelman created a show called The Neighbors, which, uh, funnily enough, is not Neighbors, aka Kylie's soap opera, but The Neighbors. Neighbors. Yes, it's going to be important later. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had never heard of this show. It didn't do very well. It only ran for two seasons or whatever. I watched um, episodes of it. Oh, you did? Got, How was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's very it's very much like it felt like a retread of Thirty Rock from the Sun, but they've added in a Thirty human Rock family. from the Sun. Third Rock from the, th- Thirty Rock from the Sun would be amazing. I would watch it. I would watch it. That's uh, Kenneth's story, Rock, really. <laughs> I um, it's it's definitely Third Rock from the Sun but from the main perspective of the human neighbors mm-hmm. who are constantly being weirded out by this strange alien family next door. Mm. Uh, I, some great actors playing the aliens. Uh, it's got 
oh, talks something something oh i can never remember her last name gorgeous gorgeous actress beautiful beautiful english voice she currently did she did the voice of um mrs something something in the new <gasps> she's DuckTales in show. yes she's in ducktales yes 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 her okay i know uh, exactly it's, who you it's, uh, my favorite episode, the one joke that really stuck in my mind was they uh, all all of the aliens have named themselves after athletes <laughs> for some bizarre reason. So the dad is called Larry Bird. <laughs> and, and it's just this constant joke of none of them have the same name. They're not called the birds. There are <laughs> different athletes. Uh, but he he has to get a car because he has to learn how to drive. And at the time, I was also learning how to drive, and it was hilarious watching him freak out, try, trying, just sitting in a car as it's slowly making its way towards a lamppost <laughs> in an empty parking lot, and he's freaking out. He's like, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. We're all going to die. And I'm sitting there going like, yes, that is exactly how I feel. Thank I think you. that we need to start a new stereotype of like along with iced coffee and um, uh, not being able to sit properly in a chair, queer people also can't drive because I only got my full license like in the last year. Yes! Woo! Go us! Yes, you see somebody so, anyway. terrible driving and you're like, oh, be kind to them. They probably just came out. <laughs> <laughs> They're going through a lot right now. It's so difficult to date and worry about getting a car. <laughs> um, so, The Neighbors, did you ever watch the musical episode of The Neighbors? No, I didn't. So this was in the second season. Um, all of his all of his shows are on ABC, so it's like that ABC Disney sort of conglomerate. Um, yep. So this is crazy to me somebody coming from like being a Disney fan and a Disney Renaissance fan, but they decided to do a musical episode in their second season. And they got Alan Menken. Like the Alan Menken. The Alan the Menken. Um, like, like, did they hold his child ransom? Or <laughs> was it a contractual obligation? because ABC is owned by Disney and Disney's like, well, if you want to make another musical for us, you're going to make a musical for this alien sitcom. Well, I assume that he, like, lives on the Disney lot now or something like that. Like, have you seen the photos where it has um, all the decorations, like the dwarves propping up the animation building and stuff like that? I assume they make him live in the attic and they drag him out whenever they like. Oh, so he's hideously scarred on one part of his face and has a mask. And, and, and every once in a while, he'll he'll crash uh, uh, a chandelier made entirely of you know uh, moving animatronics from Beauty and the Beast, just to keep people on their toes in the Magic Kingdom. Yes, but instead of a giant crash sound, it's just under the sea. Sure, of course. Um. So, Everything comes back to Phantom. Everyone knows who Alan Menken is, even if you don't recognize the name Alan Menken. Alan Menken, uh, number one, is an EGOT. He has an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Um, he also has um, more Academy Awards than any other living person. What? 
Yes. So the person who has won the most Academy Awards is Walt Disney. The next one is Alfred Newman, who is not alive. He was like... Isn't that the guy from... (laughs) I know. uh, That's Alfred E. Newman. Oh, okay. All right. So Alfred Newman uh, did music in the early Hollywood. So he did, for example, How Green Was My Valley, Mark of Zorro, uh, another version of Hunchback of Notre Dame, All About Eve, The Diary of Anne Frank, stuff like that. So he, he has the most Oscars in musical categories, and coming up right behind him is Alan Menken. So Alan Menken, literally living legend, um, along with Howard Ashman, uh, one of the biggest forces behind the Disney Renaissance, and did this the music for this tiny show that nobody's ever heard of. Now, so, here's, here's the yes. thing, though, with Alan Menken. He's still alive. He's still got a chance to blow past that dead dude. <laughs> That's the thing. I saw this was years and years ago. Oh, you know what? I think it was when Lin-Manuel was doing music for Moana and he was doing like final work on it in Alan Menken's house. And Alan Menken had a Little Mermaid poster up behind him. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda named his first son Sebastian because of Little oh. Mermaid. And he was like, I was going to say Ariel. That's a weird <laughs> name for. I mean, technically, Ariel was a boy in the Shakespeare play, so, yes. you know. Or um, at least male presenting. Yes. Um, so they got uh, Alan Menken. God only knows how. Like, to me, I would just be ashamed to even look him in the eyes. Um. <laughs> um Alan Menken has worked with a number of lyricists since the passing of uh, Howard Ashman, who we should really do an episode on sometime. Have you seen the documentary about him? No. Oh, it's so good. It's on Disney+. Plus. You know I don't do documentaries. (laughs) Uh, But it's about an incredibly talented... I I can't even get into it. Anyway, Howard Ashman, incredible life. He died. uh, He wrote like... So they did together uh, all of the music for Little Mermaid, all of the music for um, Beauty and the Beast, and about half the music for Aladdin. Uh, Howard Ashman died of complications from AIDS, about half uh, in maybe pre-production for Aladdin, that sort of thing. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, So since then, um, Alan Menken has worked with a number of lyricists, including Glenn Slater, who's the guy we're going to talk about today, who was Andrew Lloyd Webber's lyricist for the sequel to The Phantom. Oh, oh no. <laughs> One day we're going to have to actually talk about that too, but for right <sighs> now, it, it'll be the dark shadow in our future. That's the only musical I've turned off halfway through. Anyway. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. Honey, honey, wait. Just you wait, because I've got a musical planned in the near future. Is this the we're gonna do. It's the apple. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever wanted to see a literal deus ex machina? <laughs> uh, the apple, written by Aristophanes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this episode of The Neighbors got much higher ratings than any other episode, and ABC was like, hey, it seems like a musical comedy written by Dan Fogelman, Alan Menken, and Glenn Slater would probably be a pretty good idea. So from Mm. that, 
that's the creation of Galavant. Galavant is uh, kind of like Monty Python meets uh, uh, Princess Bride. Uh, it was shot on beautiful locations in England. Apparently, this is because England at the time had a huge, huge um, tax credit for um, like high budget productions. So it was a lot cheaper to film there than it would have normally been in like Romania or France or where every other medieval uh, thing is filmed. Uh, that's probably why all the Star Trek, the Star Wars is got filmed there too, right? Because that was I mean, around that, the same time. Oh yeah, the the last trilogy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so the show premiered in 2015. It got a surprise second season that nobody was expecting, mainly because one of the higher-ups at ABC was a big, big fan of it. Um, hence the title of the uh, premiere of the second season. Um, and then it was cancelled in 2016. It's never come back, so Alan Menken has talked about possibly adapting it for a Broadway. Oh! <gasps> no. The Great White Way itself. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a Broadway show coming out and being a huge hit? Because let's face it, it's Alan Menken. It would be a huge hit on Broadway where it would probably be appreciated. Yes. And then people being like, wow, you know, it won a couple Tonys and it's based on a TV show nobody watched. Exactly. Uh, so that's why the episode is called <laughs> A New Season, a.k.a. Suck It Cancellation Bear. Apparently, Cancellation Bear was a blog at the time that would talk about what show was going to get cancelled. And was like, oh, well, this very expensive show that nobody watches is obviously going to get cancelled. Oh, see, every time they kept on... When, whenever I saw the title, I was like, Cancellation Bear? That's weird. Maybe something's going to pop up over the course of the first season that'll make this make sense and didn't happen I was like okay maybe this episode will make it make sense and the only bear I can remember from it is the bear, the bear. The musical number <laughs> that we will discuss and even then I was like yeah but they don't call it in cancellation bear. Bear. they just they just call him the bear um, so a few details uh before we get into the actual plot of this episode, um, it's very much like medieval light. They go on adventures. Each episode is only 20 minutes long. It's got great music. Um, it's very much light and frothy and requires nothing of you but while being a very good comedy. It's it's very, like, you can, you can condense the entire first season down to a paragraph because so little actually happens Mm -hmm. But at the same time, stuff is always happening. It's just, you know, it's like a weird preamble to the action. How, how do you... Uh... Oh, you could easily condense this into one of those little children's storybooks. You know, mm -hmm. the ladybird print ones, right? Where yes. it's like, oh, there was a handsome prince, and the handsome prince did this, and blah, 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 blah. Each, uh, yeah, each episode of this could easily be like a two-page fold-out sort of thing. Exactly, right? I mean, you excise the musical number and bam, there you go. Exactly. Um, it's basically one musical number per episode. Maybe maybe two on some. 
and very plot and comedy focused. You're not going to get people staring off into the distance and singing their I want song because there just isn't time. Unless the I want happens to be funny. Yes. And the I want will have other people chipping in. Like there's never one big person's number. I know um, Timothy Almondson said when he was um, auditioning for the show, he was very, very nervous because he has like the big song in the pilot um, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's his phrasing of it um, which is yeah it's the first song that you see that's not sung by the narrator mm-hmm. but it never feels like oh this is somebody's big song it feels very much like an ensemble piece at all times yeah because the verses are handed back and forth between the characters everybody pitches in on the chorus you get little asides from characters to other characters where it's it's fun, it's light, it's frothy, right? Mm-hmm. It feels very much like it could just as easily have been animated. Yes. There are definitely some parts to it that are... I mean, Timothy Osmondson's uh, King Richard, uh, de- watching it, I was like, oh, oh, this is just like... Uh, Prince John from Robin Hood, you know, with the sexy foxes. Okay. So he actually patterned his voice on Peter Ustinov's voicing um, King John. Oh! Okay. Alright, cool. I, I looked into that. Yes. You know, that, ooh! ooh. ooh. You know, he's, he's, he's a great big baby. Mommy. But at the same time, he does actively talk about committing genocide. Yes. Uh, which and... took me aback. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't know that other people don't like him for it. Once he learns other people don't like genocide, he changes his tune. And change his tune he does. Um, and the final pieces to put together for this episode is how the heck did global superstar Kylie Minogue and after uh, this tiny American show, Kylie Minogue, famous for never really being able to crack the American market and being a superstar everywhere else on the planet, mm. how could they afford her? Well, that's when we come back to Joshua Sass, who plays Galliman. Uh Joshua Sass is posh as fuck. Wait, um, posh? He's posh? He's. Let me put it this way. Uh... I have his Wikipedia open right now, and his father's uh, occupation is listed as poet. Oh. Um, he is okay. part of the nobility. His great-grandfather and grand-uncle were viscounts, and his grand-uncle is a baron. What? So, yes. yes. Is his he, family is, is well off. Is he gay? Because uh, I could use a second title. <laughs> he is currently married to a woman. But, you know, everybody's got facets. Um, So at the time, he was... Does he have a brother? (laughs) He was with or engaged to Kylie Minogue. So... What? (laughs) Yes, he was engaged to Kylie Minogue. And like I say, it's very difficult for me to find behind the scenes of like, and here's how we got Kylie Minogue for this tiny American sitcom. Um... But I believe that that, because they are listed as being together um, from 2015 to 2017, and 
and this episode came out in 2016. So I would tend to think that the chicken and the egg here is they met, and then she was like, hey, why don't I come on your tiny $2 show? Yes, I, 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 I'll I, waive my fee for this special guest appearance. Well, that's the thing. Joshua Sass is our age. He was born in 1987. And, Shut up. Uh, and Kylie... <laughs> <laughs> this is this is so unfair. <laughs> I I would totally play straight just to date Kylie Minogue. And uh, well, you know he is English. It throws everything off. Um, oh. And Kylie Minogue is uh, is not our age. So go get it, girl. I just oh, love uh, seeing her lay her. her hands all over him in this episode. That, in him oh, occasionally trying not to so break. intimate. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, I was like, I was watching that, and I was just like, "This is weirdly intimate for a guest star." But sure, you guys do you, I guess, consent and all. But now to find out, oh, this is the this is the tamest thing that they've probably done with each other. Yes. Good for you guys. Good for you guys. And he's, you know, visually trying not to laugh. And at the same time, this is very much a showcase piece for her. This is like the one episode, the one song where it's hey guys wouldn't it be great if we had kylie minogue do a great song it doesn't move the plot along in any way you could take that it does it does move the plot along <laughs> it moves the plot along in that you get to see joshua sass with his shirt off or joshua sassy yes. maybe the e isn't silent i have no idea it could be yes. anything yes so you're uh, blowing my mind sarah you're blowing my mind i know i know this is like when i found out that uh stephen fry's husband was our age and i was like oh, we really are perfect yes stephen fry got married a couple of years ago good no good for him yes and his husband is our age and i'm like see stephen we would have been perfect together if not for this <laughs> one tiny issue that you seem to be obsessed with <laughs> If you could just get over this one little personality flaw. I am open to us both having an affair, Stephen. I'm not going to keep you caged. Unless you ask for it. Yes. Of course, I. so this is a long-standing joke with my my friends that Stephen Fry is my husband. um, And then that my boyfriend is Sir Ian McKellen. So I have a type. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, old queens. That that was my desperate attempt at an Ian McKellen voice. It's not quite oh. there yet. I'll try to perfect it for cats. Cats. So that's about so, all I have on the making of Gallivant. Um, it was a weird experiment that somehow managed to thrive for twice as long as anyone ever thought it could, and it. Nobody has written it off being completely dead yet. I, it's wild because I do see there is the fandom online. There are gifts. I can mm-hmm. see videos. They're good videos. This this fan base exists. People do like it. And I mean, part of it is just how wild the show is in terms of like some of the people it got for it. Like some left field stuff where you go. What? Wait, what? 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 Why are you here? I mean, there's the episode with the monks, and it turns out it's Weird Al who's the head of the, this order of monks. Great, 
perfect, but I totally see Weird Al cropping up in a show like this. That's yeah. that's nothing new, right? Anthony Stewart heads in an episode, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, totally makes sense. He can sing. He was Frankenfurter. He's handsome. He's he looks handsome. like he wandered over from the Merlin set, really. Ex- exactly. Like he was just like, I'm just going to borrow this suit of armor, and uh, um, I'm just going to sing over here for a bit, please, and thank you. Mm-hmm. And did that. The one that really threw <laughs> me, uh, I mean, I, I love Kylie, but you had already told me that Kylie was here, and so I was very much in anticipation of Kylie. Uh, it was when uh, King Richard's brother, Kingsley, was introduced. And it was one Rutger Hauer. Actor seems like a really weird guy. Apparently, on the set of um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, he would do shit like he was supposed to be under a blanket with Christy McNichol uh, or whatever her name was, and he would be like, "Look, I'm not wearing any pants." Like he's a weird dude. He he is a weird dude. Uh, I've got a, I've got a lot to say. Um about Rutger Hauer. Uh, so, my friends and I, uh, during the pandemic, decided uh, we're going to do distant uh, movie marathons. The idea being, we pick a, a, a category, and we all got to pick categories. Category we, is? So, like, the first category was all the James Bond movies. We watched mm-hmm. all the James Bond movies, including the original Casino Royale, which has seven James Bonds in it. that might end up on the list at some point because it's it's um it's wild there's stuff happening in that movie that uh i get that it's supposed to be a parody of james bond but uh how often does james bond interact with frankenstein and the wolfman wait what yeah i know uh, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> Erase that from your mind. Anyway, <laughs> so one of one of the categories that was chosen was uh, all the movies of one. Uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Directed RoboCop. Oh, Total uh, yes. Verhoeven. Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven. 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 I apologize to any potential Dutch listeners if I am mispronouncing that. So one of the big stars that Paul would work with is Rutger Hauer. He was in, I think, five or six of his films. And let me tell you, I've seen a lot of Rutger Hauer penis. <laughs> he, he was a handsome young man. Like, strikingly handsome. Like, it's, it's very much like you still see him as Rutger Hauer, but it's, it's smoothed out. He's lean. He's young. He's got blonde hair. It's like when you see uh, like very the, young Christopher Walken. Yes, it's the same thing. It's very much the same thing. Like, you're so used to seeing old Rutger Hauer, old mm-hmm. Rutger Hauer, over and over again. And then when you see him young, you're like, oh, okay, all right, I see where this is going. And uh, he's he's great. We watched uh, Katie Tippel, where he was, uh, like, a, a young, uh, moneyed man in the late 1800s. Uh, what else was he in? Was he in Spetters? Spetters sucked. Don't don't watch Spetters. Uh, oh, there was a war movie he did, which uh, it's all about like the Dutch resistance against the Nazis, and he Is does that a lot Black of Dutch. Book? No, that's the okay. later. That's a later war movie. I think he I was. I think that's dead the only Verhoeven I've seen. 
Uh, have you seen Total Recall? No, I have not. Robocop. No. Showgirls. No. Oh my gosh! We're, we're gonna we're gonna give you an education. Pitifully on, uh, uneducated. Their... Well, no, because there's there's a couple movies of his, and because uh, we watched all of them, we watched his Dutch films, we watched his American films, and there's some great Dutch films. Anyway, Rutger Hauer. Now, now here comes my really weird Rutger Hauer stuff. <laughs> so Wait, this isn't get, this isn't getting times up, me, is it? No, no, okay. no, no, no. Uh, this is just like. Boy, oh boy, was the past the past. Mm. Uh, uh, so last year, at the early stages of the pandingle, uh, my then-boyfriend and I were also doing long-distance movie nights. We're browsing around Amazon Prime, and we see a poster for something. We're like, huh, that's weird. This looks like a cheap knockoff of Die Hard. It was called Blast. Okay. Does it have an Blast. exclamation point? No, just blast. blast. Right? It's got the hero's it's got the hero's face sort of cut down the center. Mm. It's all in black and white. There's a big explosion happening in a building behind him. So the diehard poster mm-hmm. just replace Bruce Willis and the building with a different building and the guy who played Johnny Cage in the first Mortal Kombat movie. Huh. Okay. So um Rutger Hauer's in it. And uh, he he doesn't he doesn't do much for most of it. The the plot is essentially some terrorists uh, have taken over the swimming place, the the the, the swimming area in Atlanta before Sorry, the you're Olympics. Sorry, you're crapping just a bit. Has maybe your VPN? Oh, uh, no, hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello. Hello. Okay. Hello. Uh, keep that in. Don't edit that out. You're still crackly, though. Uh, motherfucker. Pardon my French. I, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep talking, okay. uh, so we can still hear it, and maybe somebody will hear. A- anyway, the, the the plot's weird. It's got terrorism. It's got uh, this guy who was supposed to be in the Olympics because he was a great martial artist, but then he had an accident. Look downwards. You know that accident. <laughs> downwards and which caused him to split from his wife of course because he could never get over the accident yes uh, yeah a very young shannon elizabeth is one of the girls on this swim team who's being held hostage she okay this gives more. me an idea of the kind of movie it is yeah, yeah 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 and so the terrorists take the place over and this guy who's a janitor at the place He's the only one who can stop the terrorists because he manages to make a call to the outside about, hey, there are terrorists in the building. And he gets in contact with the head of a terrorism unit played by Rutger Hauer. Mm-hmm. Now, for 90% of Rutger Hauer's time in this film, he's in a, he's in a dark room. And I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm like, huh, he looks a little weird. This is odd. Huh. Oh, look, he's got a wig on. And he does. He has a wig on with long hair that's braided. And you're just like, this is an odd choice, right? It's a dark room. He's got a computer monitor. You know, choices are being made here. And, oh, that's a lot of jewelry he's wearing. Uh, Okay, I guess that's also a choice. 
huh, now that I see him in a little better lighting when he goes to see his his boss or something, oh, he's very tanned. Why is Rutger Hauer very tanned with long braided hair and a lot of juice? Oh, he's got red face on. Oh. <laughs> so, I, oh. I thought this was leading to a Romani reveal, but yeah. No, 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 no. This gets worse. Oh. It's going to get worse. It, like, in wild ways. And I, I don't blame this on Rutger Hauer because this was, like, 95, right? It's a, I, mean, it, it, I would it, argue like, the opposite, but go on. There's, there's choices being made, I know, right? Mm -hmm. I get it. But Rutger Hauer was also in a lot of shitty things. And at, at this point, I feel like it's a bit of a Nicolas Cage situation where, like, oh, he's just taking any paycheck that comes across his... Uh, him for a reason. Somebody's got to pay for those dinosaur bones. Yeah, what's he going to do with all those dino bones? So, he's playing a First Nations person. And I'm like, oh. Now suddenly this movie is wildly uncomfortable whenever I'm watching it. I'm just, oh, thanks 1995. But we're committed to sticking through this movie because it's a bad movie and it's only suddenly gotten worse. The movie progresses, terrorism starts to happen, and finally, for whatever reason, he, Rutger Hauer is able to get a squad together, and they get in the van, and they drive towards the building, and Rutger Hauer's in the back, and guys driving up at the front, and they, they pull up to the front of this building, and you see some squat SWAT guys with like the big helmets and stuff, like they defuse bombs at the doors, and they open up the door, and you see something zip past him. And you mm -hmm. go, huh, that's weird. What was that? And then it cuts to, and you you groaned once already? Uh-huh. Wait, th this is going to kill you. Oh, no. Rutger Hauer is in an electric wheelchair because he has no legs. Sam. Yes. Why are you doing this to me? It's the single most offensive thing I've ever seen in film. <laughs> without, without using words, that's how offensive it is. Rutger Hauer is playing... Uh, a, disabled uh, a disabled native man. First Nations man. If it makes you feel any better, Rutger Hauer is the one who actually saves the day. He, he, he zips up to the bad guy and the bad guy turns around after hearing this right as he comes up Rutger Hauer like grabs him punches him a couple times knocks the the gun out of his hand pushes the hostage into the pool because they're by a pool and Rutger Hauer clips something onto the bad guy rolls out of his chair which they cut of course to a person who actually doesn't have legs he rolls into the pool the bad guy looks at the chair and there's a little piece of paper stuck to his seat that says time's up motherfucker or something like that <laughs> and his and the bomb goes off and it kills the terrorist <laughs> he's bombed his chair and he saves this, the day this sounds like a cutaway gag 
on 30 Rock or something like that. It, this is a gag on 30 Rock, but it's a whole film. Of, oh, like it, it's very much like, uh, hey, Liz, uh, we're pretty sure that Jenna shouldn't have made that anti-terrorism movie last year, right? The one where she plays the handicapped First Nations woman. Oh, did she do that? Cut to that scene. Cut back. Ooh. Oh, you know what, though? This is actually a plot line in um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, my gosh. When? when? I can't oh, remember. So the woman who played Jenna, Jane Krakowski, uh, discovers... Oh, no, it's not that she discovers. She's oh, been she passing as white. Nation. Yes. She's white passing. Yes, yes, I forgot that. Tina Fey, I love you, but we need to talk about race. Every once in a while, man, it's just... Yeah. Choices. So, because I know this, I had to get this out and tell people... <laughs> you, can, you can look up pictures of, of, of Rutger Hauer in, in... You told me that you had a Rutger Hauer story, but I did not expect this. It's not like I met him at a party. <laughs> <laughs> but it it sure is like I know this thing and I need I need to get this out because like we like Rutger Hauer. He's fun, right? We like seeing him in films. He plays a great bad guy. But then every once in a while you gotta go in and dredge up the ideas that hmm, maybe maybe people we like make bad decisions I mean he's dead now so you know what's that change anything cause and effect you just implied no it's not (laughs) 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 we're gonna have a discussion next week on on is it camp causation versus correlation one of those (laughs) Um, but just this this wild abandon of how many people sat there and went, yeah, this is okay. Uh huh. <laughs> Rutger Hauer for a laugh. Oh, like I I was not laughing. I was very much every time he was on screen going, oh oh no. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Oh. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, getting off Kylie. of that train, leave, leaving that in the past. Let's talk about Kylie and Rutger Hauer now, because this is the final connection I want to make. Did you watch the music video I sent you? Uh, I watched parts of it to see, because I was expecting the, the surprise connection, not knowing that you didn't know about Joshua Sass. I was expecting the cameo in it to be Joshua Sass. Nope. It's Rutger Hauer in a Kylie Minogue music video. And she's like his his beautiful his beautiful wife while he's doing I don't know, maybe it's illegal stuff. It's very vague what he's doing, but it's menacing. It's but it's, it's Rutger Hauer. Well yeah, it's Rutger Hauer. It's going to come across as pretty menacing nonetheless. Yeah, he could be ordering from Burger King and still be like, oh, I, should I be serving you these fries? Will I die if I don't? Burger mm. King doesn't have good fries. Why would you go to Burger King for fries? No, I went to a Burger King a couple weeks ago just because I was out of town and going through a drive-thru, and their menu 
is massive. I was astounded. Yeah, there's there's a lot to take in, but Burger King is very much the same in in the idea that Taco Bell is the same. You know, Taco Bell only has five ingredients, and it's mm. how they layer and do whatever with those five ingredients. Burger King is kind of the same. You get a patty, or you get a chicken thing, and then whatever goes on top of it, that's the thing that changes. Yes. Yeah. So, welcome to Burger Talk. <laughs> Do you want to talk about your relationship to Kylie? Because I'm a I'm a more typical North American, and I I know her as um, as a big thing elsewhere. So uh, when I was 13, uh, 13, oh god, that was 20 years ago. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, when I was 13, my family and I we moved to the Middle East from Canada. Okay, so bit of a culture shock. I lived in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, uh, and it's it's a very expat-heavy country, right? There's a lot of stuff brought in from overseas there, and one of the big things is music. Uh, like, the radio stations are... They're very up-to-date. UAE is basically one of the most Western, Middle Eastern countries that there are. Uh, they're very much about let's be at the forefront of technology let's be at the forefront of architecture and city building and whatnot in the 20 years since i've been there it has changed drastically it's it's incredible but yeah they had they had a lot of like music video tv it wasn't strictly mtv but they had depending upon whatever television package you got you'd get whatever right mm -hmm. and it was right about then this would have been 2000 2000 yeah late 2000 2001 uh that kylie minogue's can't get you out of my head came out now it, this it, is the well, one song of hers that i know because i think it's the one that cracked the biggest in north america and i was still watching live tv at the time and it was big on the hit list of course it was because it was a hit it was huge the music video was huge the song was huge it was getting remixed it was getting re-released she was everywhere and she started doing duets with robbie williams she did the song kids which is also a lot of fun she appeared in moulin rouge but i mean that could have been more of a baz lerman connect connection right you know they're all australian. a bit australian yeah so she she suddenly blew up and for a, a young gay boy like myself i was like who is this perfect goddess like i'd seen britney i was like okay britney you know i'd seen christina i'm like you got a great voice christina but you're not really doing anything for me i'd seen madonna but the thing was when you're 13 and madonna's been around for almost 15 years or yeah. or maybe more um she, she's a bit passe by that point. She's still releasing music. It's still becoming hits, mm -hmm. right? You know, and she kept on having hits up until like the late 2000s. But here was Kylie and this song, and it was uh, techno, and it was danceable. Like it had moves mm -hmm. built into it. It was a mind, it, it had the earworm quality to it. And all of a sudden I was so taken. Uh, just like the clothes she was wearing in it, how the music, I'd never seen a music video look like that before. 
it and looks it, just... it actually looks a bit Lady Gaga before Lady Gaga. Not as Absolutely. weird as Lady Gaga, but definitely the same sort of aesthetic. It's it's very produced like Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I mean, this was like big green screen technology happening in it too. And, you know, like we were really getting into what can we do with computer graphics in music videos? And one of those things was let's dress all these dancers up and put them in this big nebulous techno space. Mm-hmm. And it struck me. And then every time like a new single of hers would come out over the next four years while I was there, I would just be, oh, this is great too. Ah, this is like red-blooded woman. Oh, she's dancing in a traffic jam. This is amazing. Slow. She's doing synchronized dancing on a on a uh, a beach towel by the side of a pool. She doesn't stand up at all during that music video. All oh. of the choreography is on the ground. She's taking inspiration and, from Rutger Hauer. And it's it's amazing. And I I lo- I love her. I just and then. You know, I saw Danny Minogue and I was like, what? There's a sister? She also sings? She also acts? This is incredible. It's a dynasty. And, you know, you, you just see her more and more cropping up in things. She was in Doctor Who, right? Oh, for yeah. the episode as Astrid, right? which was very sad. She's um, just a wee tiny little thing next to David Tennant. She, oh, she is itty bitty. She's five foot nothing. Um, she was in the Street Fighter movie where she played Cammy, and we're going to watch Street Fighter at one point because I earnestly believe it is it is a perfect video game movie because it understands how goofy the premise is and leans <laughs> into it. Uh, so she, she was in that. Um, I later learned she had breast cancer and she had a mastectomy. Right, so she's mm-hmm. a survivor. She's a big proponent of that. She's mm-hmm. got her own wine now. Uh, she has her own line of designer glasses. Where in the UK, you can actually they have little cardboard cutouts of Kylie Minogue in the glasses stores, and it's true to size because people are <laughs> like, "Wow, she's tiny." <laughs> it's like, yeah, she is. You see her on her on your TV. She's that size. It's real life. It really is real life. I I just, I love her. Her songs are so catchy. Her song in in this show was my favorite. I enjoyed the songs that had come before, but when I got to her song, which is called Off With His Shirt, I was not just over the jokes that the song is. Oh, yes. But just the fact that she's a professional she knows what she's doing. She's loving every minute. And it really feels like Off With His Shirt, which is a very disco number, was the precursor to her album that came out last year, which was called Disco. Ooh, I love disco. I should listen to it. It's an entirely disco album. And, and uh, sorry, go on. Yeah. Oh, and uh, she released a couple of music videos for that. And it's definitely like, oh, you shot these during the Pandingle as well, which mm. is why there's still so much green screen. But her music videos, uh, they're, one of my favorite music videos of hers is um, Come Into My World, which is, it's a camera set up at an intersection in a street, uh, which looks like maybe England, could be anywhere, right? That small town sort of in the city, 
but off on the off skirts street. She comes out of a store with her dry cleaning. The camera follows her just in a 360. And by the time she gets back to the dry cleaning store, because she's singing the whole time, a second one of her comes out and you realize, oh, we're watching a loop. We're watching her layer herself on top of herself. So all the things that are happening in the background get layered as well. Mm-hmm. So you see like a guy arguing with his girlfriend. His ar- girlfriend's up in the, the apartment above and she's tossing things out. So the next time you come around to them, oh, now she's tossing out a mattress. Next time you come around, oh, now there's a mattress on the floor and the mattress is being tossed out of the window. There's She's weaving in and out between herself uh-huh. This is so expertly choreographed. Ooh. I recommend. I hi, because it's not that there's dancing; it's just that there's movement, there's action, there's story happening, and she's singing beautifully, and it's just so much fun. So, I, I recommend audience members uh, and you, Sarah, go out, listen to some uh, Kylie, look up her music videos. They're a lot of fun. She's such a magnetic personality, or at least for me, as you know, big gay fanboy. But she she comes um, on screen and she has charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. She just absolutely. lights up the screen. Absolutely, she is. She is like that. That very drag personality. She in whatever she does on stage, on screen. It's over the top. She used to be in Neighbors, right? I think that was her big break, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, soap operas. What's more drag than that? What's more camp than soap operas? What's more camp than Kylie freaking Minogue? So uh, thus, thus ends my diatribe. I could keep talking about her music videos and such, but it's, it's just so much fun. She's so much fun, and she's a delight. Well, the normally, <laughs> normally we talk about the script, but it, or the, the script, the plot. But do we really even need to talk about the plot? I feel like we've kind of covered a lot about Gallivant and this episode and the general joie de vivre of it. Yeah, I, that's that's. I think that's the beauty of Gallivant. It's not epic in terms of like, oh, this is world shattering. It's going to change everything. Or the plot is anything that we really haven't seen before. Oh, we didn't even talk about Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones singing, which is such a delight. Vinnie Jones being the straight man in this very gay TV show where he's also, like, the gay straight man. (laughs) (laughs) He's the butchest butch. He's so delightful. You can tell he's having a blast. He's not there for just the paycheck. The paycheck helps. Mm -hmm. But he's have fun, too. Mm-hmm. And he's genuinely enjoying it. And oh, oh, the friendship between him and Richard. Oh, yeah. And their it's nanny so singing them songs and all that. It's just, it's, it's, it starts with what you think is going to be all these archetypes of the damsel in distress and the bold hero and the terrible king. And it turns all of them completely upside down in really just this lovely way. Especially King Richard, especially King Richard. Oh, especially King Richard. And on top of it, it's it's very blind casting in terms of like like they're not trying to be historically accurate. Right? But no, here's 
everybody's different skin colors, uh, different orientations. I mean, the episode itself the, the, with Kylie, they, King Richard and Gallivant have forced to join forces, have wandered deep into a forest called the Enchanted Forest. Ooh. And they were told, ooh, no, no man escapes from here. And, and ooh, it's, it's deadly. And do, do not cross the queen of the Enchanted Forest. Only for Gallivant to point out, wait a second, no, it's a pub. There's a sign that says the Enchanted Forest right outside this pub. And Richard's like, oh, well, you know, my uncle and my father. Well, I mean, he's not really my uncle. He's, you know, my uncle. My father's camping buddy. My father's camping buddy. They would come out to the Enchanted Forest all the time together and stay here for a couple of weeks and then come back. And, you know, perfectly normal, manly things to do. They go. And and my uncle never came out. Never. he, He got trapped here forever and and it's it's horrible they go into the pub to find oh wait hold on a second the enchanted forest is a gay bar now i i'm kind of of two minds on this because i feel like abc is having their cake and eating it too with this episode because yes it's one of the most explicitly gay um stories I've ever seen on like you know a family show going out at 8pm mm-hmm. or whatever um, they never say the word gay they, they no. at one point Richard is about to say it and he gets cut off um, but it's also not the sort of thing that could be taken as anything else so I do feel like yay inclusion like we have twinks and bears on screen and they're talking about it um, and it's done in a very um loving way like i never it never feels homophobic or anything like that um no everyone's very silly but they're silly because they're silly characters they're not silly because they're gay they're silly and they're gay they're equally as gay as the pirates honestly oh everybody in this show is silly there's there's no not silly characters like vinnie jones the hard man is silly i so, uh i read one fan theory <laughs> that all the um that the pirates are all trans men because you know they wear big baggy clothing and uh the king of the pirates knows gallivant and they've met before but gallivant doesn't recognize him and they're not (laughs) (laughs) they're not embarrassed to go through the girly products um and it was just a a fan theory i stumbled upon and i love it i want to keep it as my canon forever yeah that's 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 great until abc and Disney can finally pull their heads out of their corporate asses and finally be like, oh, wait, hold on a second. There's a massive market that we're not tapping into because we refuse to acknowledge that LGBTQ people exist in most of our properties. Hey, look, guys, see, we made LeFou gay. We made, we made him gay. And aren't we great for making LeFou gay? Oh, and I'm, I'm getting a, a bulletin across my desk. It is announced that once again... They are announcing the first gay character in any Disney movie. They've done this like yeah. 20 times. They, they did every year, every year. And then, of course, the million moms come out and say, Ugh. no, we don't want gay people. We don't want you to push your agenda. It's like, it's not an agenda. I exist. Yeah. <laughs> and also, let's be honest. The evil queen is just a drag queen. It's been happening. Oh. We've been here for years. For sure. You've dressed all of your villains in purple. 
and green and black and you don't think little gay boys are going to look at that and go i want to dress like that one day oh and they always have the best songs too they do have the best songs (laughs) oh i mean all right well we'll talk about disney villains at another point i think that that is a whole episode for itself yes yes Mm -hmm. but understand this this is this is from us two two humble queer podcasters out into the world hey hey disney you're gay as fuck already just give in <laughs> uh, i like the way you phrase that like yes i'm uh, i'm part of a marginalized group i'm queer and i'm also a podcaster and we are out here we exist yeah we we exist us gay podcasters yes <laughs> um but yeah see this yeah. episode guys watch it's kylie so do a great number it really is she's having so much fun and she is very lovingly touching that man yes i would <laughs> love you to go back and watch uh him watching her in the scenes and there are a couple of shots where he's visibly trying not to laugh it's great yeah i well because my eyes were focused on her and then parts of him yes. where she's touching her yeah um because <laughs> let, let's face Hex it and lots and delts and after all uh, and who knows what else who knows what else uh he he is very handsome he's very beautiful great he's, beard he's, too oh my goodness such a good beard i and mm, just everything yeah oh we didn't talk about uh the fact that his squire is magnitude pop pop so I knew that he he's also a Harry Potter guy, and that's the thing. I did not realize that he was Pop Pop until I was looking him up on IMDb. I think what? because... Well, number one, he wears his hair differently. Magnitude has much True. bigger hair. And uh, and number two, I didn't really t- realize that Magnitude was English, because all yep. he says is Pop Pop. Pop Pop. Pop Pop. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, I mean... The, the less we say about Harry Potter right now, the better, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk. Yeah, let's not talk mm-hmm. about. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, hey, you guys, should always there... punch a turf if you have the opportunity to. Please punch a turf. God. Uh, there And plus, there's so many better and more inclusive uh, magical child, uh, magical kids in the school properties out there. Oh, I would love to see the Crestomancy books by Diana Wynne-Jones adapted. They hit a very similar part of the brain as the Harry Potter books do. I do like Diana Wynne-Jones. I just finished all three of the um, Howl's Moving Castle books. Uh, Crestomancy, I think I have a book of like four of them collected, but I think she wrote more after I bought that book. Um but it's also very weird, like, it takes place in alternate universes for some times. Like, it's all one universe, but there's multiverses in it, and she jumps around in time. So it's a very fun, world building sort of thing. Cool. I, mm-hmm. I will look out for that after I'm done my many, m- many books I am reading through. Because, mm. let's face it, I, I'm an audiobook slave, and right now because I had to, I'm about halfway through uh, Terry Pratchett's Masquerade. Mm. It's like, I need to know how well this syncs up with, and it does very well. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I like that I've cursed you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so is there anything else we want to say about Galavant? Um, no, the entire show's soundtrack is up on Spotify or wherever you want to stream your music. Uh, stream it. It's great. It's absolutely fantastic. Especially Kylie's song. It's a great um, ode to... I, I would normally say the female gaze, but that's not really the case in this episode. Just uh, looking she, at boys. Is she a drag queen? I think it's ambiguous. Um, she could be like Lady Gaga in uh, A Star is Born, where she's like the only straight person allowed to sing in the gay bar. Hmm. Because there's just, there's, it's very ambiguous, but in all of the best ways. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, she's the queen of this, this bar slash forest. Uh, she calls herself the queen of all queens. And it's like, oh, yes. yeah, yeah. All right. There's, there's a lot happening in the song. Just go out, download it. Watch yes. it. Watch it again. Watch it five more times. Listen to more Kylie. You go, yes, yes, yes. But also, um, tell us what who your pop diva is. Because, uh, Sarah, who's your pop diva? You know, I have been thinking about this, especially in the wake of the Free Britney movement. And I've been mm-hmm. listening to a lot of Britney again. Um, I don't think I really... I think, honest to God, my pop diva is the Backstreet Boys. That's. I was listening to the Backstreet Boys yesterday as I was driving, and it just hits a part of my brain that releases serotonin no matter what. That is an absolutely fair thing to say, because guess what? Gender's a work. Who cares? Yes. Love what you love, unless the thing you love actively hurts people, at which point stop, unless they want you to hurt them, at which place keep doing it and have a safe word. Check in. Um... Yes, there. It was. It was uh, much like other discussions with the self that we have both gone through. I went through about twenty years of figuring out: is it okay for me to like the Backstreet Boys? And I've, in my thirties, I'm like, yes, revel in it, you beautiful bitch. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. Oh, oh, and. In the future, I will drag you down into the pit that is Gem and the Holograms, so you can swim around in it with me in this garbage pit of, oh my god, I can't believe they made a new song for every episode for a cartoon in the 80s. Oh my god, that sounds like a lot more work than they were putting into any other cartoon in the 80s. Oh, Gem and the Holograms is, it's a, it's a movement, it's a lifestyle. Uh, we will watch the cartoon at some point, and then we'll watch the movie, and then you'll come out of the movie going, wow, that was shit, except for that <laughs> last scene, which was amazing. That they lied Why to the fans he... about. <sighs> oh. Anyway, um, so let, let's ask the question that we've all come here to ask. Is Gallivant camp? I think, yes, Gallivant is camp. It is camp in a, for being an American production, it is camp in a very British panto sort of way. Oh, I didn't get the panto connection, but now that you've said it, it without, it's minus the, the over-the-top costumes and makeup of panto, <laughs> but everyone very much acts in a panto way. Like, so do you constant... think it's camp? 
Oh, yes. This show is camp. This is... It's it's bizarre because it has very much the hallmarks of a lot of British things, British comedies. And it knows it's silly. It understands it's in a silly musical world, but everyone's going along with it. It's so much fun. The characters are fun. You want to be... Like you start off hating some of them and then you go, you know what? No, I like these people. I like all of these people. And if they all just sat down and talked with each other for just a second, the problems would be solved and everybody could be happy, but that's not how television works. No, and especially I, I didn't mention it, but have you ever watched um, Once Upon a Time? Uh, I, I regret to say yes. <laughs> yes. So this my... was actually a mid-season replacement or not replacement. Um, it was in the same time slot as Once Upon a Time once it concluded its season. And oh. they're very much dark mirrors of each other. This is played 100% for comedy, whereas Once Upon a Time is deadly serious about the fact that these are fairy tales. Oh, God. Not, not, just, not just fairy tales, but... Disney property fairy tale. Oh, yes, yes. I left before they introduced Anna and Elsa, but yes, uh, very much I, vertical integration. I stayed so much longer in that show than I should have, <laughs> and just looking back on it constantly in my mind, I'm just um, I'm like, oh. Because I'm a completionist, right? I want mm. to complete it. I want to go back and finish those two, maybe three seasons that I have left. But at the same time, do I want to put myself through that? There's a lot of other shows I, I could watch, you know, like... Um, uh, uh, I'm looking around my room trying to find anything, anything that I could watch <laughs> before I... And for I all tried... that, that Once Upon a Time is very, very performatively heterosexual, uh, Gallivant oh, is not. No, 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 no. I think G Gallivant is the queer successful cousin of Once Upon a Time, <laughs> who is, who is yeah. straight and angry about it. Once Upon a Time is technically more successful, but Gallivant is happy, and Once Upon a Time is not. Yeah, and I think Gallivant is more successful because of its happiness, and because mm -hmm. it knows exactly what it is, where I just, like, Come on, come on, guys! What really <laughs> are are we are we, sh are we sure? Oh, at one point, Frankenstein's in it too. Last time I checked, <laughs> this is a, this is a theme. <laughs> it's not a Disney. Uh, uh, you know what? You know what's important? I know. I know a lot of people debate this. You know, is is Frankenstein the monster? Is Frankenstein the doctor? But I say. Frankenstein is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh, comedian Joseph Scrimshaw, uh, uh, who I enjoy, has a joke. Uh, no, it is I, the person making the connect the correction to you, who is the monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can only really call it Frankenstein if it's from the Frankenstein region of that area. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just sparkling monster. <laughs> Okay, all right. We we have 
We've gone um, so off the rails in this episode. Oh my god. But I, but I love it. I love I feel doing like we've this honored the spirit of Galavant. Uh, uh, if we had a musical number rehearsed, we would do it for you guys, but we don't. And uh, quite frankly, I think it's antithetical to what this podcast is all about. We have been so, dancing the entire time, though. Uh, we've been dancing around all kinds of subjects. <laughs> uh, I, I guess that's it. Do you have anything yeah. else that you want to say about Galavant? No, watch Galavant. You can watch the entire show in six hours. It's an absolute delight. And in this awful world, uh, Galavant will perk you up. And I just, I love that this is the first property we got to on our recorded list because mm. you know the first two episodes don't actually count yes. where this is camp we did it guys we did Episode it three. we found mission accomplished <laughs> and that's the end no no that's, well that's the end of this episode i guess it is the end of this episode uh thank you for joining us today on our exploration of galavan please subscribe on your podcaster of choice leave a star rating and review where you can because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is yes and next week we will be attacking our first non-musical property for you people who are just eh, i don't like musicals oh yes uh Yes, we will be watching George of the Jungle. George, George, George of the Jungle. George, George, George of the Jungle. I'm excited. I I, I very much am because I don't think I've seen this film in almost 20 years. I uh, saw it in the theaters and then again about 10 years ago and it was the same thing. I was really, really worried that it would not hold up and for me at least it does hold up. He's, he's so handsome. He's so attractive in that. I believe... Uh. I believe the story when they gave him his costume was he was like, and where's the rest of it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brendan Fraser. Oh, oh, our beautiful himbo. We didn't appreciate him while he was with us. He's still, no, he's well, still alive, he's, but... He's back. Yes. He's back, though. That's the yes, good he's, thing. He's back, and we appreciate have him you, now. Have you seen Doom Patrol? No, I have not. He is in Doom Patrol, and he is giving pathos, and he is giving emotion and uh you do see him but he does mostly voiceover work for it because uh shoving uh brendan fraser into a robot suit probably not the best thing for him no (laughs) he is in the new soderbergh movie as well Mm, but i mean soderbergh is hit and miss as to whether or not it'll be an enjoyable time Mm. Yes, there are two directors named Steven Soderbergh, just like there are uh, are two actors named, um, oh, what's his face? The one married to Penelope Cruz, Javier Bardem. There are two actors named Javier Bardem. They're both very, very good actors. One of them is astonishingly beautiful, and the other is not. Oh, kind of like the Vincent D'Onofrio problem. Mm, I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 where it's just like, ooh. Who's this incredibly handsome man playing Kingpin? Oh, he's got such gravity about him. Oh no, who's this hideous bug suit man? (laughs) There's no Um, way these two are the same actor. Anyway, (laughs) George of the Jungle. We're very much looking forward to it. So uh, you can continue the discussion on our Twitter. I am at Reese Indigo. Uh, that's R H Y S, like the Welsh. You're the only Welsh boy on Twitter. And 
I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Ta-ra. Bye.